chapter 7. Verse 29, Mark chapter 7, verse 15, Ecclesiastics 7 and 29, Mark 7 and 15, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Sometimes you got to get into your war mode with the devil, man. Sometimes, you know... I know I'm like that sometimes. I let things linger sometimes, lingering, and after a while I just say, enough is enough. And right now we got to tell the, the, the devil, sickness, sickness don't come from God. Don't you ever believe that, oh, you know, God, no, God never made you sick. Sickness come from without the body. God created a perfect body. And so when we start experiencing sickness, it's from the outside and not from the inside. So... God made you perfect, as you'll see in this text we're getting ready to read. <laughs> Amen. And yes, sometimes sickness is passed on by relatives, but again, God made us perfect from the beginning. So the sickness that we receive, it came from the outside. It's not from you. You didn't do it. It's not your fault. It's not your mother's fault, not your father's fault. When Adam and Eve did what they did, we invited sickness to come into our body. And so sickness is an alien we don't need it in our body, and we've got to keep praying that God will touch our bodies. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 29. The word of the Lord says, Lo, this only have I found, that God had made man, what? But they have sought out many inventions. That word inventions, schemes, vices. Schemes and vices. They have sought out many schemes, many vices. They wanted something more than God. From the very beginning, that's what we've been trying to do. We want more than God. What we're saying is, God, I appreciate what you've done, but I just need to figure out some other stuff. I need to get some more things. Maybe you didn't think of everything. Did we, did we ever think about it, that the way we operate sometimes is like saying, God, you didn't think about everything. You didn't get it all just right. So let me figure out some other ways that I feel like will be good for me. Yes. God is not like us. And, and some of us that were responsible parents, when we decide to have a child or we decide to have children, listen, didn't we plan it out? Didn't we make sure everything was ready and, and prepared for that kid that was coming? Well, how much more is God to us? And so God had great preparation for creating us. He knew he was going to create us, and he prepared. You, you notice that when you read the Bible, God created, 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 and the last thing he created was us? That's preparation. And so the bottom line is he knew that he would have everything we need before he created us. That hasn't changed. He still has everything we need. We just have to stop seeking out our own inventions. Mark chapter 7. We're going to read 15 through, I think, 23. Look at what it says here in 15. There is nothing from without a man that entering into him can defile him. But the things which come out of him, those are they that defile the man. 
If any man have ear or ears, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. That's what it says in Revelation. It didn't say ears. If you have a ear, let him hear. Verse 17. And when he was entered into the house from the people, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. What was the parable? The parable was that nothing from without can defile a man. So they wanted to know. He said that to a big congregation of people. Now he's talking. He went aside with his disciples and they said, Lord, I heard what you just said, but we didn't get that either. What kind of parable was that? And so the Lord said in 18, and he said unto them, are ye so without understanding? Question mark. Do ye not perceive that whatsoever thing from without enter it into the man, it cannot defile him? Because it entereth not into his heart, but into his belly, and goeth out into the draught, purging all meats. And he said, that which cometh out of the man, that defileth the man. For from, the, from, for from within, out of the heart of man, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, Murder, theft, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness. When you hear that word, it means uncontrolled immoral behavior. An evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. Verse 23, all these evil things come from within and defile the man. You may be seated. I want to do my very best to help you this morning. This is help that I'm extending. Help that I'm extending. I want to extend some help from the Lord this morning to you on this topic. Inside out. Inside out. I'm glad you're in church this morning, big son. I remember when y'all was children, was in the children choir. Y'all used to sing that song, Inside Out, Inside Out. You must serve my Jesus, right, Stephanie? From the inside, remember that? Inside out, you know, little girls, inside out, and the boy, inside out. You must serve my Jesus. That's a long. Remember that, son? You can sing that right now because that's a song you can't forget. My God, I look back on you and Akila and, 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 and Danielle. Oh, Lord, I used to teach them in Sunday school. And they always singing, inside out. <laughs> well, let me help you today from the inside out. My goal today is to equip you to better live a Christ-like life, a life that is pleasing unto the Lord. In the days that we're living right now, it is not easy to serve the Lord. There are many challenges to serve the Lord, and so it's not easy in the days that we're living in today to serve the Lord. And so we're challenged in so many different ways. The, I believe the main challenge we faced we face in our challenge to live for the Lord today is just 
everything now is available. Is 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 social media has changed our world. And what I mean by it's changed our world, it means nothing is hidden anymore. And so for good or for bad, everything that is done is always known. I'm a big sports guy. I keep up with sports. And social media has transformed our society to the point where managers and coaches are coaching and managing games, thinking about how they will respond to the media for the move that they made. Back in the day, when a coach coached the game and a manager managed the game, like, hey, listen, I'm going to do what I think is right, and that's it. Because social media wasn't as prevalent, so they wouldn't be questioned like they are today. And so we're dealing with all these things, which means thoughts are coming to us at rapid speed. Images, rapid speed. And so we're challenged to live a life that is right and pleasing unto God. Now I'm going to try to help you to have a real good hold or to, to, to conquer probably what I believe to be your greatest challenge in living a life to please God. That's what I'm, I think I'm going to be dealing with today. Matthew, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 7. Let me tell you, give you the backdrop on that, um, on that text. <laughs> so Jesus is on the scene. He's there with his disciples and some religious people. Anytime you read about the Pharisees and the Sadducees, religious people. And so he was in the midst of them. And some food was served and his disciples started eating and didn't wash their hands. The Sadducees and the Pharisees, oh, your disciples are supposed to be men of God. How come they ate and never washed their hands? That's how this whole conversation started with Jesus. And so, you better be careful how you come at Jesus because he's the one that knows your motives. And he knew the Pharisees are religious. And what they like to do is keep rituals. They're not so interested in being godly. They're more interested in keeping rituals. And one of the rituals were or was that you need to wash your hands because you want to do that before you eat. We still do it today. Jesus said to them, see, here we go. Let me talk like Jesus in, in this modern day. Here we go. They weren't about those rituals. And I know their heart. This is Jesus talking to himself. I know their heart and all they care about is rituals. As long as they get to practice their rituals to look like they are religious, they're fine with it. They're not worried about me. They're only worried about practicing their rituals. And so Jesus said, well, you're right. They didn't wash their hands, but they're fine. Because they didn't wash their hands, it don't mean they're going to get defiled. It doesn't mean they're going to become unclean and dirty and ungodly. No, they won't. And that's when he went into the old diatribe to teach them that it's not what goes into a man, mankind, human, that defile them, but it's what comes out of them that defiles them. Can't mess with Jesus. Got to be careful. 
<laughs> when you go to Jesus, you got to go. Listen, here's what's smart of us if we will ever do. Whenever you go to Jesus, don't go telling him nothing. If you're asking him something, ask him something that pertains to his will. But when you go before the Lord, always remember, God have mercy on me because I'm a sinner that's trying to be right. I don't care how much you think you know God and how well you're living for God. If you really want God's favor, when you approach, you better approach him. Oh, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. I want to be right. Because anyhow you approach him like you got it going on, he's going to burst your bubble. Remember the rich young ruler we talked about? He thought he had it going on. Oh, I've kept those commandments, Lord. And so these religious people, here we go again with religious people. Listen, we got to fight hard not to be religious. And it's easy to be religious. As a matter of fact, it's easy to become religious because it's so challenging to be righteous. We have done a lot of religious things because in some aspect, we have kind of stopped trying to be righteous, stopped trying to be godly because I don't know if we've convinced ourselves that that's not possible. But we're not putting enough effort in because we feel like, man, that's hard. So we just yield to being religious and tell ourselves we're okay. I pray. I read my Bible. I go to church. And so being religious is easier than being godly. Yes. This is why we had so many Pharisees. It was easy to be religious. And that's what they focused on, being religious, not godly. And so, God wants to talk to our heart today about how not to be religious and how to become real godly. We can become godly. Tell your neighbor, you can become godly. And your neighbor just said, I am godly. What are you talking about? Hmm. Defilement occurs because of sin. Sin begins in a person's heart. And eventually it comes out in the words they speak, their disposition, attitude, and the things that they do. Anybody in here cares what anybody think about them as a Christian? Let me put my hand up first. I care what you think about me as a Christian. And if, and if you think that, man, you ain't really living for God, you're playing. I take that personal. Because I'm trying my best to live for God. And if somebody think, think that I'm not living for God, I examine myself to see, am I? I just don't let that conversation just die. If somebody say, whether they're right or wrong, I am so serious about living for God that if somebody say, man, you ain't right. I might not say anything, but Lord have mercy. I'm going to go talk to the Lord. Lord, am I right? Because did they see something I didn't see? Did they see me a way that I don't see myself? I need to get it right, Lord. So I go to God and talk to him about that. If, I, if somebody accused me or say something to me uh, along those lines, I would hope that we all would practice that. Because here's the deal. You can believe whatever you want. Whatever is in your heart will eventually comes out. And for you to think that you're okay, listen, people are watching your life. People are listening to what you say. 
People are watching your disposition, and that tells the story. And sometimes we want to be comfortable because they didn't come to us and say, oh, I see you. You're just playing with God. Because nobody comes to us and say that. We don't think that they know. But people are watching, and they know. Now, you can say, I don't care what nobody thinks. You need to. When it comes down to God, you need to. Now, they could be wrong. But just always exam- examine yourself to make sure you're okay. So we get the file by what is in us and not what we put into our bodies. Remember the word of the Lord. God created us upright. God didn't create us crooked or defiled. He created us upright. But what we did was we went out to seek other things to satisfy us other than God. And today, that's probably our challenge in a nutshell. God is not enough. God is not enough. Oh, I know we're supposed to go to church. I know we're supposed to worship and pray. But I need, some, I need more. When the Bible says in him we move and live and have our being. Everything we need is in God. And it might don't seem that way to you, but if you try him, you'll see everything we need is in God. My peace is in God. My satisfaction is in God. My love is in God. Whatever I can ever be and ever will be, it's all in God. I'm not good enough without God. I'm not great without God. I'm not right without God. I'm not loving without God. Everything I am and can be is in God. All depends on what you're looking for. And if you're just looking for things to tickle your fancy and make you happy, then yeah, you're probably going to seek out some vices and some other things from other places and kind of leave God out. Because we started seeking out inventions. Huh. Everybody, anybody ever re- read Romans chapter 1? Starting like about verse 21 to about verse 25. I'm not going to get into it too heavy. But there's a text, there's a part of the text that says, because when they knew God, they Worship him not as God. That's what messes everything up. When we stop worshiping God and praising God for who he is, we will turn to vices. And everything that went wrong with us was started because when we had our situation to know God, we turned away and said, that ain't enough. God is not enough to us. And so we're still seeking some things that makes us happy. And man, I'm so glad that I found out that nothing could make me happier than God. I know that for 100% because no matter what I accomplish, no matter how great my life is, no matter how much I'm important or I'm successful or how much money I have or how much material things I possess, there's always something that you're saying, something just not right, something just not good because deep down in your soul is where it all counts. Deep down in your soul is where it all counts. So I've learned, I remember, even as a sinner, 
I remember as a sinner, I used to keep a certain amount of money in my pocket every day. Because that was my way of saying, please, I got it going on. So I always had a certain amount of cash in my pocket. Drove my BMW. Got my mom basement laid out. My own apartment down there. Stay away, everybody. And I'm living good. Whatever I want, wherever I want to go, everything was great. But there were many a nights I laid on my back in my bed and I knew there was still some stuff missing. I couldn't put my finger on it. I didn't know what it was. But when I laid on my back some nights, having everything I felt like I wanted, I just always knew there's still something. Didn't know what it was. I just know I'm not complete. I, I just know I was not complete. And when I got into Jesus and I start knowing him and living for him, I realize how to become complete. And I know completion is in Jesus Christ. I know to wake up and have not a care in the world, but just just have the joy of the Lord, just being happy, just being able to just have a big smile and nothing great got to be going. I have found the secret, and my God, that's why this morning as we sing, we're grateful, and all the songs we sang, I just was excited because I'm saying, God, I'm in your presence. I'm living for you, and you're my God. I don't care care what happens as long as I can hold on to you and be your child. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. And so God wants us to understand that he is enough. Everything that we need is in him. Didn't he say I will supply all of your needs according to my riches and glory? I mean, he has, said, he has already told us these things. He talked about in, in, in Matthew 6.33 that, that um, seek ye first the kingdom and everything you need will be added to you. He says, I'm your healer. He says, I'm your redeemer. He says, I'm your deliverer. He says, my joy is your strength. Man, he has, he has promised us everything we need. But somehow, we've gone to seek out vices, schemes, and things that we feel like, well, maybe this will make me feel better. Can I say this? No matter what we see or hear, it still has to be processed in our mind in a way where we can take ownership of it then we can speak it or act on it. Why did I just tell you that? Because I'm trying to point out this morning, as the word of God has pointed out already, that when we become defiled, our issues and challenges has nothing to do with nobody else. All of our struggles has nothing to do with nobody else. Because you're all powerful God. Your sovereign God, your God that is that is strong and loving, he will not allow you to be destroyed. And whoever come against you, he will stand up for you. He is your supply, your protector, so you don't have to worry about anybody else. Because nobody can do anything to you that God won't allow. And if God allows it, then it's going to be all right. So anything that's wrong with me is because of me. You need to tell yourself that. Anything that's wrong with me is because of me. 
Come on, tell yourself. Anything that's wrong with me, it's because of me. If I'm not living right for God, if I'm disappointed that I'm living for God, it's not anybody else. It's not anything that happened in my life. It's because of me. I'm the one that defiled myself. Nobody can get me to defile myself. I decide to defile myself. The devil ain't that strong enough to get me to defile myself. I still have to make the decision. So it means whatever I take into my heart, I still have power to decide if I'm going to let it stay in my heart or not. We can make that decision. Then we have situations where we just flat out use our imagination to conjure up ideas, inventions, if you will, and act them out or speak them out. And that's the one I'm going to deal with this morning. The imagination that we have is what created the defilement in our life. Don't get quiet on me. Our imagination is so wonderful. It is so great. But we've allowed it to bring defilement in our heart. The ideas and inventions created by our imagination are often negative and ungodly. God didn't give us imagination for ungodly things. For negative things. He gave us imagination so we can be creative for the things of the kingdom. Before God destroyed man on the earth with the flood, he made this statement. Every imagination of the thoughts of mankind's heart was only evil continually. So the flood came in Genesis and everything was destroyed except for Noah and his family because the imagination of man's heart was evil continually. So it's telling us that our imagination is what has caused us to start venturing out to look for vices that are evil and for schemes that are evil because this imagination has did us has done us wrong as opposed to done us good, which we are in control of though. And so, usually, our imagination produces negative thoughts, ungodly thoughts. And so, it gets us in trouble a lot of times. My imagination gets me in trouble. You might not want to say it, but I deal with that. When I go before God, I go before him. I say, God, this imagination thing, man, I appreciate that you give us things for, 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 for the right reasons. But, boy, we have allowed them to get the best of us for the wrong reasons. And so our imagination is a great, wonderful thing. But, boy, oh, boy, we have allowed a lot of negative and evil things to come into our heart because of our imagination. Romans. 121 also talk about ungodly man became vain in their imagination. So we became vain in our imagination. We have created schemes and vices, ideas and thoughts that have defiled us in the eyes of God. That's all that matters. What is the definition of imagination? Imagination is the act of forming 
mental images of what is not actually present or real. Imagination, the act of forming mental images of what is not actually present or real. <clears throat> so, we allow our imagination to think of things, ideas, fantasies. Those aren't real. They're not present. But that imagination begins to work. And as it begins to develop the photo, the picture, the mental image, we start to like it. And it begins to develop some more. We, yeah. And then we allow it to become bigger in our heart. And it stays there and festering. And we focus on it. And before you know it, it now takes legs. And we begin to speak it. And we begin to act it out. And it ain't got nothing to do with nobody. It's what we allow to fester in us. And it's what we allow to now develop in us. And now it has total control of us. Let me go deep on you right now. I'm going to tell you this. God, the word of God said God created us in his image, brother Sam, which means that we are created in the image of God. We are like God. You know what that means? That means that God is a creator. Which also means that we're created in his image. We're creators. Oh, somebody help me this morning. We don't understand the power that we possess by being the children of God. And we don't understand that we are made in His image, which means we create just like our daddy created. We can make something out of nothing. Oh, we missed it. The Bible says God created. It was nothing. He just created the world. Boom. With nothing. We're doing the same thing all the time. We don't realize it. Y'all didn't get it yet? Some of the things we have done didn't start with something we watch. Didn't start with anything anybody told us. It start right here in the heart with your imagination. Your imagination imagined it and formed the picture and put it in your heart. And before you know it, that became you and you started living it out. You created something out of nothing because there was nothing there at one time. And then you begin to use your imagination. And then something became in the in your heart. And before you know it, here you go. Amen. You have created. You have created. I'll give you some more example. Because of our imagination. Yeah, you ever notice... When you come around her, she seemed not to say nothing. She got a problem with you. <laughs> the pastor, some pastors, God help me that I don't do it. See people talking. They probably talking about how I pastor the church. They probably, they, they probably over there just talking about me. So now that's his image in his mind. He created that. That, that wasn't even there. He created that. Every time he sees somebody th- talking, he thinks that they're trying to do their own thing. He created that, not God. Yeah. 
images in our mind. We get we get these things going and we, we, we start to conjure up ideas and thoughts about people that is not even close to what you're thinking. But all of a sudden now, we got stuff in our heart about people and it had nothing to do with God. It had nothing to do with anybody else. It has to do with your imagination. It has to do with how you're living your life. It has to do with what you thought had nothing to do with anybody else. This is why God says, it's what come out of you that defile you. Now you're getting a picture. He says, we don't get unclean and corrupt and messed up because of anything that comes in us. So we can't blame anybody. We can't blame anybody. God says, it's not what come into you that defile you, but it's what go out of you. Because your mind is like, like, like a strainer. Your mind is, is the, the central intelligence area of your life. And so if it comes in, you have the choice to process and decide how you want to deal with it. And you don't have to make it have child ruler over you. You don't have to make it dominate you. You, you can deal with it. God, God gave us the power of choice because He created us in His image. And from the very beginning, God gave us the authority of choice. And when something comes into my mind, I have a choice of letting it stay there and fester and grow and become something, or I have the choice to say, get out of my heart in Jesus' name. Inside out. We can't work from outside in. And sometimes we work from the outside in. As a matter of fact, we're good with that. Facebook has helped us to become really good at that, Simeon. You got some fancy socks on, Simeon. <laughs> somebody hooked you up because you didn't get those on your own. Yeah, he just gave me him because he knew somebody hooked him up. And E, we already talked about your shoes in the bathroom. Now I'm seeing the socks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, y'all keep it tight. I like that. But we got to be careful working from the outside in. That's what we do on Facebook. We work from the outside in, Sister Wood. <laughs> we show all what we want people to see on Facebook. But the stuff we don't want them to see, we hold on. I ain't going to show them that. I, I, I remember Jimmy Tony said he's our North American general, North American mission director. Uh, one of the things that I really appreciate about him he said, if we're going to be real good Christians, we got to show both sides all the time. Stop showing one side. He said, um, this, this preacher talk, let me let you all in some preacher talk. He said, man, when you just start a church, don't even go on Facebook Sunday night. Because everybody tell you that all the miracles God did. Everybody telling you how, you know, God moved and there's such an awesome power of God and so many people got baptized and so many people. Got, he said, if you go on Facebook and that day nothing happened in your church. You're going to be depressed and want to quit preaching. I remember one day he posted a post on Facebook and said, today is our lowest attendance. Barely anybody was here today. I like that. I, I love, after that, day I said, well, you know, it's a reason why I love you so much, Jimmy Tony, because he realized that all we want to do is put out front all the good stuff. Look what's going on. But if we can get it right, we will put the good stuff out and the bad stuff out. Because people learn better from the bad than they do from the good. A lot of times we think, people don't learn a lot from good. Oh, they doing that. So no, they learn from the bad more. Matter of fact, we talked about that on Thursday. That 
as you grow and as you become whole in God, the things that will make your life, Maddie, the things that will make your life better when you get older is the hard times, not the good times. Now, we'll remember the good times and have fun. Hey, you remember we did this? Yeah, 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 yeah. But that usually never is the thing that shaped your life. It's the challenges. It's the hard things that really end up shaping your life to make you who you are. So we got to just embrace the challenges that we have because those are the things that will make the difference and shape our life. All the great things. That's why it's so crazy to be chasing things that we think, oh, I want this. Oh, I want that. Those things won't make you. You will become artificial. You know, I don't know if it's old or I'm getting closer to God. But my car is on his last leg and I don't feel no way. I don't know what that is. I've been, I've been going back and forth in my mind. Like, what is that all about? I hear rattling going on. Deer just hit the car. All kind of stuff. And all I, I said to myself, but the engine's still good. So I'm all right. I don't know what that is. Because it wouldn't have took this long for me to get a car a long time ago. I would have got a car a long time ago, trust me. Matter of fact, Brother Christie told me a long time ago, he says, listen, trade your car in or, or sell it before it lose value. So that's, that's the system that I operated on a long time. That every time, you know, you get to a place where, you know, you don't want to keep the car too long because if you keep it too long, they won't give you a nickel for it. So he says, before you get to that point, sell it, not trade it in because usually they try to rip you off when you trade it. sell it. And get some money back so there's value. But if you wait too long, it's going to have no value, and then you're just driving around an old jalopy. That's what he told me a long time ago. And so now I'm keeping the old jalopy, and I'm wondering what in the world is going on. I hope I'm getting close to God, and that's why I'm so, and that's why it's not bothering me that much. And it's not like my wife got a nice car, too. <laughs> no, it's not like I can say, well, I just drive my wife's car because, you know, her car nice. No, her car ain't no good either. I hate driving that car. It's not, woo, 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 making all kind of noise. I'm like, sis, can we take the car to Denton and get that thing fixed? I don't like driving her car. We don't have no good cars, but it ain't bothering me. I don't know what that's all about. I don't know what that's all about. I hope it's because I'm getting close to God and things just aren't mattering that much anymore if it's not something that's going to help me get closer to God. Our imagination is the thing that have created images in our mind, created the, the things that we struggle with. And we keep thinking, maybe I'm not praying enough. Maybe I'm not fasting enough. Maybe I'm not reading my Bible enough. Whatever it is, we're blaming it on a lot of things. But can I tell you, God had, you know, one of those nightmare things where you sit up out of your bed inside out. That's what happened. To me. I don't know what morning was that. I just sat up in my bed inside out. I said, okay, let me go deal with the text that talk about inside out. That's what's our greatest challenge, not our reading Bible. Because here's the deal. If we can conquer the imagination that's working in our life that creates image and creates beliefs and, 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 and brings something into existence that was not in existence and we begin to operate by them, if we can ever conquer that then we will be driven now to go and do the godly things but because we got to struggle with these images because we got to struggle with these thoughts because we got to struggle with all of these things that we've created through in our heart we, we can't do them so we've been treating the symptoms 
and not the real sickness. Oh, maybe I just need to fast a little bit more. And you need to fast a lot. I'm not telling you that. Oh, maybe it's, 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 I don't know. I just need to, no, it's the images in your heart. Your heart is defiled. Your heart is unclean. The Bible says out of it flows the issues of life. It says evil flow out of your heart. And now I understand why evil flow into our heart. It's not because our heart is evil. It's because our imagination created it. God don't create anything messed up. So when God created us, everything was upright and perfect. And so whatever became a mess in our life, it wasn't God. It was us. And so evil got into our heart because our imagination brought it in and brought something that wasn't in existence into existence. We're like God. We can create something out of nothing. You didn't know that, huh? There's a lot of things that's been created out of nothing. Family got messed up because imagination went crazy. Churches got messed up because emotions and imagination went crazy. Your relationships, all kind of things have gone wild because we've allowed our imagination to conjure up some kind of vice or some kind of belief system or some kind of way to live and now we're living for those things and images instead of keeping our eyes on Jesus and the only way we're going to get over it is to conquer it that's your real struggle right there Most of what you're doing, most of how you're living is all predicated on what you've allowed your heart to to begin or your imagination to put into your heart and hold on to. They don't like me. Nobody didn't tell you. Nobody came to tell you they didn't like you. You just allowed yourself to start thinking it. And you kept thinking it. And you kept thinking it. And one wrong move they made, and they weren't even thinking about nothing. They just living their life, and whatever it was that they did, all of a sudden, now, mm-hmm, yeah, they really don't like me. <laughs> and it had nothing to do with them. That's what you got. And now you hold on to that. And so now you're praying, and the devil bring it back in your mind. They don't like you. And all of a sudden, you get off track. You can't focus on your prayer. Because they don't like you just came to your mind. Marriages get in trouble because of that whole thing. We defiled our heart. We defiled our heart. Nobody did it for you. Stop blaming people. Nobody did anything to you. We make our own decisions and everything that happens to us, it had to do with us. Please don't allow, if we could ever take responsibility and just say, I'm a mess. I defiled myself by conjuring up all these thoughts and images and I need God to get it out of me so I can get right and not be thinking about what everybody think about me when they probably not even thinking about me. Probably not even thinking about me. And I'm coming up with all these thoughts and ideas. And I'm chasing them. And I'm trying to prove them. And I'm trying to say, gotcha. On what? Something I thought about? They're saying, gotcha on what? What am I missing? They're like lost, and you're saying, got you. We got to work on the inside. That's what we're dealing with, working on the inside. So whatever, listen, can I tell you this? 
You can't get mad when something come out of you that is inappropriate and ungodly. You can't get mad with nobody else. You have total control of that. And the reason why it came out, because it was an image that you allowed to, to, to just fester in your heart and you just behave according to what was in your heart. Don't get mad at nobody. Just say, whoa, where did that come from? And the answer is, it came from you. How did that get there? That, that's where you want to get to. How did that get there? Why I responded like that? How did that get there to make me treat that person like that? How did that get there to make me behave that way? How did that get there? And that's what you got to go deal with. How did it get there? Forget about anything else. Well, that ain't what I mean. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Don't try to explain it. Don't try to explain it. Just go to God or tell that person I didn't know it was there. Forgive me. Excuse me. And just go to God right away. Don't try to justify. Don't try to explain it away. Don't try to say I didn't mean it that way. Don't try to get into that. Just say, okay, that came out wrong. So something is wrong here. That came out wrong. Mm-mm. I didn't think that was in me. That wasn't my intention. In your mind, you're figuring if you offended somebody, just go work on your heart. That's what's going to help us to get closer to Jesus. That's what's going to help us to make our Christian walk a little bit better, to get us closer to God, to, to, to prevent some of the challenges that we faced and heart, that we are dealing with is to get that part right. It doesn't have anything to do with anybody else. Get that part right. Evil inventions begin in our heart. Jesus made it clear why people sin. It's a matter of the heart. Jesus pointed out to us. It's a matter of the heart when we do wrong. It has nothing to do with anybody else. What you got to ask yourself is, how did it get into my heart? Well, nobody can put something in your heart. You have to deal with that heart situation and you either let things fester or you create things and put them there and you let them build and get strong and before you know it, they come out roaring. Our hearts have been inclined towards sin from the time we came into this world. In this world is sin. And if we don't keep our concentration on who created us and understand that everything is in him, then we're going to follow our heart for the things that we've placed inside of it. I'm almost done here. What is the cure for this? How do we overcome this stuff that our heart has produced? How do we get past it? How do we handle it? What is the cure? How can we cleanse ourselves from defilement? How can we guard ourselves against Becoming defiled like we did in the past. Proverbs chapter 16. Verse 1 through 3. Let me deal with a couple of verses at a time. Verse 1 says, The preparation of the heart in man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. Break it down for you. You need God to prepare your heart. And you need God to give the right answer. You need God to prepare your heart and you need God for you to give the right answers. Verse two, all the ways of man are clean 
in his own eyes. That's the word of the Lord. But the Lord weigheth the spirit. We can think that we're right in our own eyes. If I'm really living for God and I'm really trying to get to heaven, I don't have time to mess around with that. I don't know if we think that we're just going to just get to heaven, just, oh, no big deal, we're going to get to heaven. Oh, no, I know who is the controller and the authority and the ruler in heaven. His name is Jesus, and he's the one that sits on the throne, and he is the one that will weigh the matters of my heart to determine if I get into heaven or not. We thought. Come on, we can get away with just showing some good actions on the outside. I remember Jesus is tough, man. Not tough. He just knows the stuff. And I remember the religious people like that, like they're good. And Jesus said, if you have looked upon a woman in a certain way, you've already committed adultery with her. He made sure he was trying to tell us from way back then, Sister Sharon, that what's in your heart will also defile you. It's not the behavior that you give. We like to give the behavior like, oh, you know, here I go, I'm good. And so we as people probably won't be able to, to know what's in your heart. But guess what? Your behavior on the outside may be for you and everybody else. But Jesus knows exactly what's going on on the inside. And I can't deceive myself in thinking that if I show some good behavior on the outside, I'm good. No, 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 no. I got to get down in the core of my soul and in my heart because Jesus is the one that's weighing the matters in my heart. And if I think that some bad stuff is in my heart and I'm going to leave it there not knowing Jesus weighs that and I can show like I'm good. Listen, the rich young ruler. Why we keep going back to the rich young ruler? It's been two weeks ago. The rich young ruler. Brother Tone. He knew how to do outside things real well. I don't think none of us can beat him at that. Remember? He didn't covet. He didn't lie. He didn't murder. He knew how to do all the outward act. And Jesus knew it too. But Jesus knew his heart was not right. And so Jesus asked him, have you murdered? Have you lied? Have you? And he said, no, I've kept those from my youth. Because we're able to show some things and people can say, yeah, that's true. Ever since I knew her or ever since I knew him, they've always been pretty good. That's what you show everybody. And you probably can do it for a good little while and show everybody. But Jesus says, I created you. I know what's deep down in you and that's what I weigh. Because what's in you sooner or later is going to come out. That's what I'm focused on. So you all better focus on that. So God is speaking to us today to say, stop focusing on everything else. Focus on the matters of your heart because that's what's going to defile you. If anything is going to keep you from out of relationship with me, if anything is going to keep you from getting to heaven, it's what's in your heart, not how you project in your behavior, not the things that you say so everybody can hear. It's what's in your heart. Can I tell you, can I agree with you real quick? I wasn't going to say this, but I can feel it, so I'm going to say it. I'm not happy with this message either. If it's up to me, you know I'm a positive guy, and I like to always be, yeah, make you feel good. That's just my personality. I want you to feel good all the time. And when God gave me this, I'm like, 
I pouted. I pouted. I'm like, God, it's Sunday, man. Come on now. Can you get the people all, you know, excited or something? And I hear nothing. I said, okay, Lord. Inside out. That's all I can say. <laughs> Inside out. I, I, didn't like the, I didn't like this direction he was taking me in. As a matter of fact, I had all my notes put together and I wouldn't put the sermon together. Usually, sermon put together probably Thursday because I work on it throughout the week. And probably Thursday, um, tighten up Saturday morning. And then, you know, I'm good and I keep reviewing. Man, I waited till last night to tighten up. Because I didn't like this sermon. It was tough. But then I realized I needed to. I said, all right, God, you know what you're doing, man. I'm not messing with you. <laughs> I'm not messing with you. You know, what, you know what's going on. Verse 3. Remember, I'm telling you now how to deal with these imagination and these thoughts. Verse 3 in Proverbs 16. Listen to what it says. Commit thy works unto the Lord and thy thoughts shall be established. Here is the interpretation I feel like God get me to understand. The thing that you're running from is the thing that will get you right in your heart. What does that mean, preacher? If you consume yourself with the things of God, Brother Barry, what kind of ministry are you involving in church? How are you operating to do something for the kingdom of God? Do you need to approach God and say, God, I don't know how to do this thing in church, but if you will show me, I will do it. Are we filled with these things of God? Are we involved in the things of God? Because Kamal, when we get involved with the works of God, with the works of the kingdom, because we don't know how the kingdom operate without checking with the king, everything we can do in the kingdom, we will have to go to the king and say, king, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do that. Every time I pray, I got to pray and say, king, how do I get this done? What should I do? And so the thing that we will have to do to get our thoughts pure and right is to get involved with the work of God. I'm a why preacher. I, 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 I put that, I, I just say that myself. What does that mean, preacher? I will answer the whys. I'm going to preach answering the whys for you because I'm asking God why. And so we, we got, for some of us that's been around a long time, why I need to do that? Everybody ain't called to do that. I just gave you a secret. And the secret that I just gave you is to deal with the ungodly and evil thoughts that you can deal with in your heart. The best way to deal with them. Let me read it for you again. It says, commit thy works unto the Lord and thy thoughts shall be established. When you are consumed. Probably Brother Scarlett is a great person to ask. He's been serving God faithfully for a long time. And I guarantee you that he probably do less struggle. I'm not saying that he doesn't because man is man, woman is woman. We all struggle. But I guarantee you he struggled less than the average person to live for God. Because this guy has been serving God all his life. He's consumed by serving God. He don't have time to think about nothing but God and work. <laughs> His wife is factual. All he can think about is God and work. He don't have no space for a whole lot of mess. 
so the word of God is telling us that if we will commit our works unto the Lord, our thoughts will be established. The only way to get our heart right and the right thinking in our mind is to get involved with the things of God. And our thoughts will be pure. Our thoughts will be right. And we will not struggle as much to be close to God. Oh, man, I love that. I love that. If I just come in and roll out, man, God, God has shown me and he probably has shown you so many things. We've got the answers. It just come down to now. Will you do it? Will you do it? Now that you know, will you do it? Because the bottom line is this, that if I get involved with God, I will be so consumed by him. Y'all know, some of y'all, whether it's your new baby, whether it's your man, your woman, your inheritance, your nice job, your family status, whatever it is, some of us have been consumed by those things and we can't think about nothing but it. When you had a newborn baby come out, your first one, you couldn't get your eyes off your baby. You couldn't think straight. Man, I can't man, I'm here, that's my baby. That consumed you. And everything you thought about was your baby. Whenever you went out the shop, you found yourself in a baby store. You couldn't you couldn't think about anything else. Well, I think God is right when he says commit your works unto him. Because he'll be the baby that you're taking care of. Not, not, you know you can't take care of God. But you know what I mean. He will be the one that's on your mind all the time. When you go shopping, you're thinking about him. When you wake up in the morning, you're thinking about him. When you are just whatever you're doing, you're trying to figure out how do I please him. He's right. When he says commit your works unto him. He's right. God knows what he's talking about. And for us to get these uh, out of our heart, we're going to have to commit our, way, our works to him. When we do... We'll get them out. We won't battle with the stuff. I'm closing. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. Here's another way to get rid of stuff that, hells, uh, that, that, that is in our heart that is ungodly, evil, that defiles us, corruption. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 says, For the weapon of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Mm. Five says, casting down imaginations. Y'all missed it. Casting down imaginations. The weapons that we use, they're not carnal. The weapons that we use are not carnal. By the way, what are those weapons? Let's see how fast you can write. I'll tell you what the weapons are. The weapons that we use or should be using is truth, righteousness, the gospel message, faith, salvation, being born again, and the word of God. Where did I get those weapons from? Ephesians 6, 
We started in 10 and go down to 19. Those are the weapons. And I just gave them to you clearly as you can get them. The weapon you have to use to deal with these thoughts, to deal with, to battle, to be right, is truth, righteousness, the gospel message, faith, salvation, being born again, and the word of God. Those are your weapons to deal with those imaginations. And now it says, casting down imagination. So the imagination that's in you that created these evil and these vices and these schemes in your mind, you can cast them down. Casting down imagination and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Little secret. In order to exercise, as a child of God, you have authority. Now, many of us have tried to use our authority and got eaten up by the devil. Because one time the devil said, to the sons of Sceva. Peter I know. Paul I know. But who are you? Actually it says Jesus I know. Paul I know. But who are you? And they jumped on him. And man that dude ran out of the house with no clothes on. Why were they able to jump on him? When he's supposed to have authority. Because you got to submit under God's authority. Remember what I've told you. You have no authority until you're under authority. You have no authority. The only way I'm going to be able to square up with the devil and deal with him is when I'm under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the devil knows if you're not under authority. You can't fool him. Remember, he got demons watching you every day. So he knows if you're operating under God's authority or not. And if you're not, you can say all you want. I bind you and he'll laugh at you and slap you upside your head. But if you're under authority, then you take authority. If you're under authority, you can say, devil. I remember yesterday I had this pain in my back. It's been in my back. It's probably going away a little bit. But it keeps, But I was just standing brushing my teeth and the pain was just gruesome yesterday. And I just started talking in tongues and just got just nasty in the spirit and before you know it I will kid you not all of a sudden the pain subsided because it's when I get under authority and begin to operate in my authoritative position because I'm a child of God just like you are and you have the right to get in the under authority of God and take authority when you feel like the devil is trying to get you and get the best of you you can take authority by just submitting to God first you say God I surrender to you right now touch my heart uh, the sin and the ungodliness that's in me will you purge it from me will you forgive me Lord God for all of my ungodliness for all of my unrighteousness. I surrender to you right now, Jesus. And I ask you to have mercy upon me. I am your son, Lord God. I submit to you right now, Lord God. You are my God. You are my Lord and my ruler. And I surrender to you in the name of Jesus. And when I do that, I get back up. I said, devil, if you want to fight, let's rumble. If you want to come against my family, let's rumble. If you want to come against the church, let's rumble. Whatever you're trying to do, I take authority. That's how you take authority. That's how you operate. That's how you get the best of your thoughts and all of your imaginations. Oh, God. It take a little bit of work, but we got to do it. God is not doing what you're supposed to do. And we get frustrated. God is saying, 
You were created in my image. You are my son. You are my daughter. What you think is going to just... You have authority. And take that authority. Oh, help me, Jesus. Oh, we got to take authority. Those thoughts that you created. You created them. Holy Ghost. You created them. You had the right to, to destroy them. You ain't hear me this morning. God create. God can destroy. You create. You can destroy it. Every evil. Every ungodliness. Every unrighteousness. Every perversion that's in your mind. You have authority to destroy them. Oh God, help us today. Oh, God, I hear the Holy Ghost. Ah, uh, uh, somebody need to take authority. Uh, you don't have to let them stay there. Uh, you don't have to let them have rule over you. Uh, you don't have to let them control your life. Uh, God said, you created them. Uh, you destroyed them. Uh, you take care of them. Uh, you don't need me. Uh, you can do it. Oh, stand with me this morning. Stand with me. Stand with me. Oh. All of those thoughts. All of those ungodliness, all of the evil, all of the things that are in your heart, they don't have to stay there. They don't have to rule over you. They don't have to cause you the stress and, the, and, and just the, the struggle that they have caused you. God said you created them. You can take authority and you can destroy them. They don't have to stay there. They don't have rulership over you. You only, they only have what you give them. They only do what you allow them to do. You today can take authority over those thoughts that are evil. Those ungodly behaviors in your life. Those things that when you kneel down to pray, you're saying, where is this thought coming from? You let it fester in your heart too long. And now it is trying to stop you from connecting with God. It's trying to hinder you from living right, from talking right. It's trying to hinder you from reading your Bible. It's trying to hinder you from putting yourself in a right way with God, from aligning yourself with God. It's trying to stop you from doing that. But you have the authority. If those thoughts don't go, it's not because they couldn't go. It's because you didn't take authority. Ah, oh, feel the Holy Ghost. Oh, God, you've given us something today. God has given us something today, church. Uh, we grow through toughness. Oh, oh God. I know why God gave me this message today. Because we will grow through challenging times. Oh, Akilah, we'll be excited for when God does great things. But we usually don't grow from just God just blessing and doing. We enjoy the blessings and we don't grow through them. But when the tough times come, when the challenges come, when it's just rough and it's tough and it's hard, that's what gets us moving. That's what gets us growing. And that's what this message was about today. This message was to help you to grow. This message was to help you stand up against those things that are hindering you. This message was for you to know who you are and what has been hindering you from getting closer to God. This wasn't about anything else. It was tough and we were challenged and it wasn't one that got us running and saying hallelujah but God have mercy upon us. It was a message to say we can do it and we can make it and we can take authority. Oh. Oh. You was made in the image of God. 
And you have authority to take authority over these thoughts. God wants us to no longer be ruled and controlled by these thoughts. Philippians chapter 4 verse 8 says, Finally, my brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. We have to work from the inside out. Our challenge and troubles is within us. It is what we have created in our life. Not what God has done, not what the devil has done. It's what we have done. And God is calling us today to say, you can take authority right now. You can be free from it right now. You can live for God and not have to struggle the way you have been struggling. You can live for God and be liberated and not have to worry about how hard it is to make it in the church and how hard it is to, to, to pray and how hard it is to do the things. You can make it if you can get rid of those things that's within you. It's not the things outside of you that's stopping you. For so long, we think that, oh, it's just the thoughts that we have from the things. No, they don't bother us until we allow them to fester, until we create images in our minds. Is it good to make sure we don't watch things that are wrong, look on things that are ungodly? Yes, that's good. But you still have the power to process in that heart and make sure it don't stay with you. God, get it out of my heart. God, burn up sin in my life. God, burn up all of the ungodly ways in my life. Burn it up, God. Burn it up, Lord God. And then wash it off with your word. Ah, right now, go ahead. Go ahead now and begin to deal with, with those images in your mind. Right now, take this moment to deal with those images in your mind. Nobody knows what they are, just you and God. And now it's time to say, yes, God, I take authority right now because I am under your authority. I take authority over that thought. It is so Oh God, it's so vulgar. That thought that I, I, is in my heart. I bind it in the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, and I cast it in outer darkness in the name of Jesus. Uh, that thought, Lord God, of temptation. Uh, I bind it in the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, and I cast it in outer darkness. Uh, that thought, Lord God, that is Oh, God, challenge me, Lord Jesus. Oh, God, that's working me over and trying to get the best of me. I bind it in the name of Jesus and I cast it in outer darkness. Every thought, every sin that God comes into my mind right now, whatever is in my heart that is ungodly and unrighteous, right now, God, I bind in the name of Jesus Christ. I cast them in outer darkness in the name of Jesus. Now, God, I pray for pure thoughts. Now, God, I pray for things that are lovely. Now, 
now God I pray for things that are holy things that are righteous I release those righteous thoughts in my mind I release lovely thoughts in my mind I release pure thoughts in my mind I release truth in my mind I release the joy of the Lord in my mind I release the work of God in my mind hallelujah 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 and here we go and every time it tries to come back I want you to speak as a child of God and says oh you will not have any more place in my heart you will not have any more place in my life because I have bound you and I've cast you out I have authority to reign and rule over you because I created you from the beginning and now I cast you out and I command you to be placed in outer darkness oh God change my heart oh God oh somebody I feel the joy of the Lord in my soul I feel the joy of the Lord in my soul I feel the joy of the Lord in my heart God has touched me today oh God you have touched me today and I am so grateful I am so grateful I am so grateful I am so thankful I am so thankful that you have touched me today Lord God and for every person in this congregation that you have touched today Lord God I am so grateful I am so grateful God I leave this place today free I leave this place today almighty God in control of my thoughts in control of my walk and my talk and my actions Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Just take a moment and just love him and worship him. Oh, God, change my heart. Somebody love the Lord today. Why don't you love the Lord today? Just love him when you just dance with him and you just begin to think about him and think about what we're singing today. God is so gracious. He is so loving. He is so kind. Oh, God, I love you so much, Almighty God. I appreciate you so much, my God. Oh, God. Oh, you are my God. Lord, you are my king, the potter. The 